नमस्ते सो एज पार्ट ऑफ द राइटिंग्स ऑफ शिवरबिंदो वी आर ऑन द सिंथेसिस ऑफ योगा एंड वी आर ऑन द योगा ऑफ इंटीग्रल नॉलेज नाउ द लिबरेशन ऑफ द सोल फ्रॉम नेचर इज द फर्स्ट फंडामेंटल स्टेप इन एनी योगा ओनली इट कम्स अबाउट इन डिफरेंट वेज all other things whether there is lab whether there is a dwelling with some higher worlds in some higher worlds or whether there is a return to earth as a jeevan mukta all that comes later or the transformation but the first step is liberation of the soul from nature and in the yoga works it comes through consecration surrender and of course surrender implies separation of before that the soul must learn to separate become the sakshi and then ascent of consciousness through sacrifice so in the path of works these are the key words surrender consecration sacrifice equality because only in a state of equality the divine will can be perceived in yoga of knowledge the method is renunciation concentration but as we have seen this renunciation is not outward but an inward this is the concentration on the one self and depending on how we start with this conception of the one self it starts with thought thought takes us to a point but after a point the thought itself bursts and the truth that is contained in the idea is released for instance we may think that there is divine presence within or in all beings so it will start with an idea so the idea that divine is in all beings or the divine is within us i personally prefer to not to create a separation that's what shubindo advises and you start with divine is in all beings so slowly by this very fact of repeating this idea inwardly to the memory same thing is done in yoga works like whatever you are giving to someone receiving from someone should be done in that spirit but that is more dynamic here it in a more passive way it starts that there is the divine presence in all and if we meditate upon this idea if we reflect and contemplate upon this idea if we hold it in our consciousness by the power of concentration after a while now that depends on preparation and many factors but suddenly this idea breaks open like the capsule which goes inside and breaks open releasing its contents so the content that is held within the idea releases itself then we realize before that it's an activity which is done with the mind to reach that point so this what we had read last time on concentration and renunciation and now we come to some of the crucial steps in the yoga of knowledge and the first here liberation comes by a de identification of the self from the different uh, gradations of nature so here one has to start from the above how what exactly is nature what exactly is soul uh, because yoga of the knowledge must proceed that way so the whole thing starts with the one who is sachidananda and as we know sachidananda has three or four aspects sat or pure existence the one indivisible infinite existence and then there is consciousness which has two aspects one is consciousness as knowledge or awareness and consciousness as power or tapas so one is the chidgan and the other is tapas that is force and the third is ananda which is bliss so the whole creation starts with the joining of sat and chit which is we may use the words passive and the feminine or passive and the dynamic not masculine feminine passive and the dynamic and the offspring is ananda that's how the creation emerges so this is the origin so in the origin the passive and the dynamic are one we may use the word ishwara and shakti for the sake of better understanding but as it the play comes down and the ananda wants to become manifold so the shakti creates many many fields for whose sake for the delight of the purusha of the ishwara that's why she is creating 
So there are fields where things are very easy, but you know, Ishwara is Ishwara, no fun in all these simple fields. So she creates more and more difficult fields. There are many ways of looking at it, this is one way, till she finally completely hides herself. So the field becomes a state of complete self-oblivion of the Shakti, who is hidden inside the state which seems like aprakritem salilam, where there is no movement, no stir. She is imitating the Purusha now, Ishwara, immobility of the inconscient. So Purusha also descends. This is a great game between the two. And who are we? That we will discover. That's what we are here to discover. When we think of ourselves as the ego self, life is very painful because the game is very challenging. But when we understand that we are not the ego self, we are the immortal soul within us, then life becomes very fascinating. So it hides there and from there they start traveling together, recovering each other. Yet, to start with, it's much easier. The soul in man which is entered into the depths of inconscience is naturally drawn towards the one true existence. It doesn't enter into the many... Now, Prakriti is like many, many movements. It can take you in circles. Each world is a system of worlds. Even in the material level, if we start exploring, there are many levels within material existence itself. The scientists talk about five or six or seven types of matter. So she has created infinity. But the soul is one and it can easily get drawn to the Purusha, the Supreme Purusha, the Ishwara. And therefore, to start with, it is the soul which begins to seek liberation, which begins to step out of this maze and haze of Prakriti. And it's much more normal and natural for it to arrive at its own liberated status. Having found that liberated status, now comes the bifurcation. Whether it wants to enter into nature, take nature along, who has paradoxically helped. In the beginning, it seems that nature has cheated him. Because when he completely identifies with nature, he forgets himself. He does not know who he is. It's completely as if nature absorbs him in the very womb. There is a story in Shiv Puran where... Um, you know, the Divine Mother assumes the form of a vidva. How? She swallows Shiva within him. And therefore she becomes vidva. So now you know Shiva can't uh, liberate himself from her. And Narayan has to come to the rescue. <laughs> and she becomes completely stoned and stunned because you know it is something she has done in a, in, you know, that whole story is a big story, but not go, going into it. So she seems to have completely swallowed the Purusha. So slowly, slowly the recovery starts and in the beginning, the soul identifies itself with material nature. And thereby it creates its first station. Prakriti creates the first station for him. And it becomes the mental, the, the physical Purusha. So, one is identified with the bodily self and the anname kosh and says that I am this body. So there is a stage of evolution in which there is what is known as the dehatmbodh. The body is the self. And when somebody says, oh, oh, he died, meaning thereby the physical body has died, know that the person has not yet arrived at the yoga of knowledge. Now the second stage is when out of this one discovers the vital world and with all its desires and passions and ambitions and emotions and all this rich, intense, creative life of the vital. There again the Purusha, there is another station created by Prakriti that you can sit here and enjoy the game <laughs> and that is the vital Purusha or the Pranamaya Kosh at which level, you know, we are identified with the desired self. So we think I am my desire or I may think I am my emotions or I may think I am, you know, my ambition. And accordingly, if these are not uh, satisfied, if they are hit or disappointed, I feel I am gone, I have lost. That's why some people in that state of despair even go beyond the brink because they think that I am my desires and if my desires are not fulfilled, I am unfulfilled. I am frustrated. So, then the next level it raises to the mental purusha. Now, mental purusha itself or the mental world or the manome kosh 
has for the purposes of uh, knowledge there is a distinction between the mental purusha as he has discovered himself up till now because the mental evolution is still going on and the higher gradations of the mind where the purusha mental purusha itself gets upgraded and rediscovers himself in new new levels it's like kingdoms which it has not conquered uh, you know it can discover for instance the intuitive self it can discover the um, you know different states in the higher consciousness so slowly what is prakriti doing she is strengthening stealing stealing s t e e l and gradually unveiling herself see this game of games so she is slowly removing one garb after another because she wants to take him back to that point where he recovers his ashwarya in the ishwara and there the two become one this is the whole game so uh, the third level is the mental purusha or the manome purusha or the manome kosh so there is the pranme purusha the anname purusha the pranme purusha and the manome purusha manome purusha is yet to discover higher levels and beyond it is the vigyanme kosh or the vigyanme purusha so vigyanme kosh is the supramental so the difference between the two is you know that's where we have to go in our next phase of evolution is that the manome purusha the pranme purusha the anname purusha the the three purushas the physical vital and mental they are still subject to prakriti they are really speaking not free the freedom is very relative that's why one of the poets says that uh, mystic poet that uh, maya badi thagani so even brahma vishnu mahesh even the gods of over mind at some level very slightly but they are under a kind of spell or they succumb so it's not a complete liberation though it can arrive at a very high status and yet the complete liberation is not there so this is the three poises of the purusha but in vigyan mein there is the not only the complete liberation but the reversal though so there is the mastery of the purusha complete mastery over prakriti below it the mastery is always relative the image of is of the yogi on the whirlpool so it's like shobindo describes let's say how to understand the supermind because there is nothing which corresponds in mental language so we have these uh, three worlds bhu bhua swa so the worlds of physical world and then we have the antariksh prithvi the antariksh of the mid worlds and then we have akash so these three worlds are like the physical vital or the mid world and the skies of the mental world now if we look at it what happens when we go from this world to the higher worlds till the mind the light increases in the physical world it's completely lost in the in matter and it is received by the organs and that's how we understand or see forms but as we go into higher worlds more and more higher world then we can see more clearly more completely let's say somebody who is wings who is on wings and gone beyond the um, atmosphere which is what the antariksh is vital world he can now see with a greater clarity he can predict you know where the storm is going to come uh, and yet he is limited why is limited because he is still seeing through the rays of the sun as it is organized as they are received by the sight so there are two aspects he is not yet in the complete effulgence the sun itself and the second is his organs are receiving that light and they are seeing things but in super mind you are not in the rays the rays is what is called as the swarlok you are in the heart of the sun to start with aditya hridayam so you are seeing things as the sun sees now we don't know how the sun sees so that vision would be uh, obviously sun is traveling through that intense light into every particle of creation if you take even a material analogy of the material sun in every hole the sun is going and that particle is capable of seeing things exactly as it is this is a material way of understanding it but obviously it's a symbol so when one is identified with the sun the supramental sun vigyana then one has the complete knowledge also because one is no more limited by the sight which is formed still by the lower evolution so that's why the complete freedom and mastery comes only at the supermind or the gnosis level 
when that base is ready because in the super mind one can see the truth of everything simultaneously just like the sun reaches out to distant places but it's the same sun it's not like the sun reaching out on saturn is different from the sun reaching out on earth it's the same sun so from its core it knows everything and each thing in its own its way of being its law of being but in the rays you can't see that when you are even in the sky you cannot have that simultaneous vision so this is the difference between the traditional yogis who rose to the intuitive mind and the super mind vishwabindu uh, says is the next logical evolution now beyond that is that final step which is yet to come is the anandame this is the the bliss, the bliss self so obviously what that is we can leave it for the future though it is <laughs> revealed in some of these uh, maharas where prakriti and the purusha are in perfect rhythm and harmony it cannot be till the truth consciousness or the vigyan may has established itself fully on earth which is the next phase of evolution the supramental evolution and man is established in that because that consciousness is working but that's not enough man too must be established in it then it's possible for nature to be completely tuned perfectly to the steps of the supreme truth then the ishwara and the shakti come together fully and bliss is the stuff of all that lives so this is the whole game plan so in yoga of knowledge we start by rejecting all that is the lower identification and then the release comes so how do we do that so let's say practically there is the release from the bodily self so every time there is oh it's very cold oh this is very hot oh this food is very you know tasty yummy or it is uh, this food is horrible there is no salt in it or whatever i don't know so <laughs> all this identification with heat and cold one has to say i am not this they will come and shubhendu says it can go on to a complete conquest over hunger sleep fatigue thirst everything one can conquer it can go to that extent but on a lesser level we can start by not identifying and you know what happens when we identify with it it creates a restlessness because then the urge the craving they all begin to crop up like rakt beej desires begin to spring up from that so by disengaging and life gives us enough opportunities to practice this then comes the disengagement from the desire self i am this emotion i am struggling so and so has hurt me so and so has insulted me so and so loves me so and so is very fond of me now what what one has to do is every time one experiences this struggle inside one has to say i am not this struggling creature one has to remind oneself shivoham shivoham that time it works that i am not this struggling creature i am not this helpless slave and serf of nature i am not this fellow who is you know caught up in a web of emotions i am not this fellow who is just hankering after this or that person or object or um, you know who wants to achieve this strive for this so when slowly by this process there is the stilling or quietening upon the restless vital and the physical consciousness otherwise see they become restless so one cannot arrive at knowledge in a restless state and then comes the more challenging task which is the mental self the manomaya purusha because even when we have separated there are yogis who can separate from this by a certain degree of self control but the mind continues to be attached to a one sided approach to truth so there are those who say that i am that and they speak only about the nirgun and if you talk to them about sagun they call it as inferior or there are those who are ecstatically about sagun you talk to them about nirgun they will say it is inferior but in the super mind we discover all the aspects of the divine as different modes of the one self there is a whole chapter on this the modes of the self so he is in the mutable portions of nature he is also the immutable he is qualified and he is non qualified he is sagun he is nirgun and he is beyond that he is beyond and yet immanent in creation all these different aspects the impersonal the personal the suprapersonal the universal the individual all these are simultaneously present and just to take an analogy when in the limited human level 
when in the morning we are taking a bath we are identified with that i am bathing then you get ready you go for work i am working depending on the work you are identified with that then you go and meet some people so you know i am a husband a wife or now are all these different no they are one we just needed to step back and we'll know that you know the fellow who was singing a song uh, inside the bathroom and the fellow who is now shy of singing the song they are two yet they are the same so this sense of temporarily to carry all this multiple sides we have a construct called the ego self now so one of the aspects of the yoga of knowledge is to free oneself from the ego self so here again one has to go step by step one cannot expect while one is living like a crude animal <laughs> to suddenly become free from the ego self so first the ego must be taught to subordinate itself to things which are nobler higher even a good human being so for instance the other day somebody was asking about pride is pride good or bad well pride is of three kinds there is the tamasic pride in tamasic pride you say i am proud because i belong to this family you know that you have a picture and you say i belong to you have, you may have nothing but you just belong to family rajasic pride is i have achieved this i have achieved that satvik pride is the only pride which is called as legitimate pride that is i am a noble person i can't stoop so low we all three are pride now all three kinds of pride out of these the satvik pride is something which helps while we are still struggling in the lower nature because it will prevent us from falling low and evidently the tamasic and the rajasic pride have to be removed because they are going to uh, hold us in the grip of cross ignorance so first to cultivate the satvik sense of the self the manomaya purusha must refine itself as we have already read last time about the buddhi two movements of buddhi one is the lower buddhi and the other is the higher buddhi higher buddhi opens upward and inward toward the greater self this is the crucial movement and then a time comes when this ego self the complete identification with this idea this opinion that view point has to go completely and that's when the release comes from the knot of the ego and something of the self begins to reflect so most yogis will stop here because it's a state of freedom so we have these two states one is where one is completely caught up in nature anish the second is one becomes a sakshi one is a witness one sees the movement of nature but one says i am not this so it's a great release of course shubindu describes this in savitri in book 1 canto 3 his soul had peace that's when you have peace because you know you are not this restlessness you don't swallow into guilt nor you feel a great high at those achievement because you are freed from that clutch if this is but chubinder says is this enough well if one seeks a door of escape this is enough but if it wants to create a new world or if one is seized by the not only one's own liberation but the liberation of others one feels compassion one is moved by the misery upon her then this is evidently not enough so from here one has to recover the state of the ishwara so there is this um, anish then there is sakshi in sakshi itself one discovers one is an anumanta indifferently you are accepting nature then one begins to make choices and then there is the ish so anish to ish now the interesting thing that shrivindra reveals in this is that as is the self automatically that kind of nature begins to organize itself take for instance you go to a tribal place so you know i mean tribals are nice people okay now no no take it as racism or anything but there is something called as tribal dance in tribal dance the man and a woman dance and they dance in their own way but supposing somebody comes there who 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 does the tiptoe dance now automatically this can't dance you have to change the whole scenario somebody who can keep pace with it then comes another dance you may have the bharatnatyam you you may have kathakali so you have all these different dances and if you have a partner 
Prakriti has to accordingly dance, even without a partner. The person, the body and the mind have to be tuned to that. You can't do bhutnach and say that, well, this is, uh, this is dance. Of course, beyond that is the dance where there is sense even in chaos. So that's what is the natu natu dance. <laughs> where you, <laughs> you are dancing and dancing, you know, there is an interesting aside to it. You know, the, when the person who had uh, choreographed or who directed this, he was asked that, how did you think about this dance? He says, you know, I have grown up with the sound of carpenters and the sound of those spoons and thalis. Now, you know something, Shubhindo, there is an aphorism that new age will dawn when we can feel the music in the you know, when people strike a nail or in, you know, in that carpenter's, uh, the clang of the smith. So there is a music in it. So one captured, this is the beauty of that dance. And that dance where there is chaos and yet there is harmony, unpredictable harmony. That's the beauty of that dance, that it doesn't go by any fixed format and yet it brings everything. So as is the dance, so must be the steps of the prakriti. They must go together. And therefore, slowly the dance or prakriti gets upgraded. So, if we get liberated, let's say from the desire self, and engage, you know, or enter into the mental self, automatically the prakriti will change from rajasik to sattvic. And if we change from that to the spiritual self, the prakriti will automatically enter into a quiescent mode. Why? Because she knows now he is upgraded. It will not get agitated by this idea, that opinion. And when it upgrades itself, the self experiences the supramental self, then the prakriti itself will change into the shakti. Now, there Shivinda explains to us the entire ladder of transcendence. We have spoken about it, but quickly because it's all part of the integral knowledge. So there are the three lower stations, trilokya, of which we have already spoken, physical, vital, mental world. And there are the three higher words, which is satlok, Chitkal Lok and Anand Lok, Sachidanand, basically. So, there has to be a meeting point where the Sachidanand, who is one, becomes this lower triple world. And that meeting point, that junction is the supermind. Where, in what happens in supermind? So, supermind is like the Sachidanand concentrates all his knowledge into that, packs it into that uh, wonderful sun. And from that sun, countless rays are released. But it is not only knowledge, all other aspects of the divine is there. Though in supermind, primarily we speak about the knowledge. But all other aspects are there. And these aspects are love. There is a supramental love, which is very strange. Because in Sachidanand, there can be no love. You join with him. He is Ananda. All beings are himself. How is he going to love? But in supermind, you can create, experience that love. There is oneness and yet there is differentiation. But one never loses the state of oneness. So that love will be the most intense and never frustrating. Because you will see all the different changes as the dance of prakriti is in the inferior modes. And you are working towards upgrading it. But never one loses the sight that it is the same oneself. So it's... Shubhinda speaks about the supramental intensity of love, the supramental ananda in manifold ways. So all other aspects are there, but in supermind it's the knowledge which comes primarily. Then again Shubhinda reminds us that uh, there are two mistakes people make when they speak about Vigyanme Kosh. Because this is a term known, this is a whole story in Taitri Upanishad where you know the disciple seeks the truth and step by step he goes from Anmay to Pranmay to Manomay to Vigyanmay to Anandmay. There's a story like that. But very interestingly, I had seen one of the um, movements based on one yoga um, by somebody revered as someone great and he describes the Vigyanmay Kosh as the higher intellect. Shubhinda said, this is the one big mistake people make. And they believe that from that higher intellect, you can go into pure consciousness. That is not the path of the supermind. You can do that. But that is not Vigyanme. This higher buddhi can help us enter into that chidghan, pure consciousness. That it can do. One is, And through the pure consciousness, one can enter into the satchidananda. 
But that higher intellect is not super mind. It doesn't give you the link and the connection with this world. That's why when you go through that path, this world still remains maya. So this is one mistake that uh, modern yogis make. Shubhinda says, ancient yogis knew very well when they used the word, uh, the, the gate of the sun. The other mistake they make is, that Vijnana is that ultimate Satchitanand. Both these are errors. They are based on a one-sided outlook of things. And that's where Shubhinda brings in Supermind, where the one and the many meet. In Satchitanand, there is only one. Shivoham, Shivoham. Nothing to do with this world. So those who enter into Satchitanand, they forget about world. And in this world, including the higher intellect, it is still ignorance. So we don't know the right way of each thing, the Ritchit. So that's what the yogis were busy finding. They wanted fulfillment. So you cannot have fulfillment until the doors of the supermind are unlocked. Because that's where the law of each thing discovers its right fulfillment. It is not like everybody has the same fulfillment. There will be the same divine fulfillment, but in variations. That is the law of all creation upon earth. You can't have the same tree multiplying. The, the seed is fulfilled in the tree, but each tree is unique. That is the beauty of this creation. So each of us will find our fulfillment in the supermind, but for each the fulfillment will be very unique and different. So it keeps our individuality. But gives us not the, instead of the ego individuality, it gives us the true individuality. Otherwise, the moment from the individual soul one enters into the cosmic consciousness, one may lose the individuality completely. So there are paths like that, like the Buddhist path. It, it doesn't speak about that one soul. It says it's an illusion. From the ego, you jump into the cosmic consciousness because that is possible. When the ego breaks, now ego is a device created by nature to, to help the soul individuality grow. It's like imagine a person who doesn't have a family, who doesn't have a house, is roaming around and grows up. And another person who gets rooted in a family. So it's like the same thing, like Tarzan's story. Tarzan actually doesn't know who he is. He thinks he's an animal. He is very comfortable in the wilds. But the moment he goes to the city, he's completely lost. Because he has not gone through that process of evolution. Tarzan doesn't have an ego. It's very interesting. If you look at Tarzan's life, he doesn't have an ego. He acts by instinct, which is just like an animal. Spontaneous, pure. There is a beauty in it. He doesn't have the sense of right and wrong, sin and virtue. But yet, something is missing out there. So that's why Shubhinda reveals to us this mental development, individuality of the ego, is like a fall. And then the redemption which the supermind brings. Why it's a fall? Because you lose that spontaneity of the intuition pushing from behind. That intuitive truth operating through nature and you don't question. You are constantly acting according to that. Whereas mind thinks, decides, preferences come in, all these come in. And then finally the supermind. So another very interesting thing he says about supermind is... When one starts being established in the supermind, before that, you, one will say, well, there are two ways one will express or experience life. One is, I am doing this, I am doing that. This is ignorance. Then when you are freed from that ignorance, one will say, as the Lord appointed within my heart does or dictates, I do. And the third stage is when the supermind is discovered in the very heart. Then these two go away completely. One is just a channel. That's it. Of course, for the sake of communication, one has to use the word I. One doesn't say this channel which is working and that channel. That's a question of communication. So as one gets more and more established in the supermind, action becomes automatic but automatic instinct with truth consciousness. And yet there will be a variety. That's what we see, something unique about the mother's yoga. After this we'll read that in mother's yoga, you see all these several peaks 
peaks of yogis which came around her. That's why people find very difficult to understand them. And these yogis also found difficult to understand each other. Because they had not yet entered into that fullness of the supermind. The Gnostic being was not yet created. Now is the time when Gnostic beings are emerging. But when you see Nalnida, Amrita, Pranabda, Champak Lalji, and of course there were women sadhaks, Vasudha Ben, Leela Ben, very few people know her, Purani Ji, all of them are very different. If you really look at, you don't know, you know, which type? <laughs> Dilip Kumar Roy, Sahana Devi. So you, you, we don't have to become like somebody else. He will release within us or she will release within us what is our type. <laughs> so each type is unique yet centered around her. This is the beauty of the supramental creation where each is unique and yet is for the all. So this is the whole story of the yoga of knowledge which takes us toward. Why should we use the word integral knowledge? Because there is a yoga of knowledge where you discover the self which is apart from nature. But this is obviously, this is still an illusion. Very subtle. Sometimes even before that there can be a vague nebulous ego. Mind by witnessing may think it has got freed from the ego. But there is a very subtle, ego is a creation of nature. If you, if you look at Sankhya, ego is a something very vague about I-ness. It may not attach itself to an opinion, an idea, a desire, but can just attach itself to a very subtle something. And beyond it, there is the self. One realizes. But in their origin, the self and nature are one. One has to put on the divine nature. And until one does that, one cannot have the integral knowledge. So integral knowledge is where not only the soul gets liberated, the nature gets liberated. And therefore, each thing is fulfilled in its own law of truth. So that is the uh, beautiful story. Now we'll read one part. As I know I have this tendency to... Yeah, got it. <laughs> so I'm reading uh, two passages from the soul's uh, liberation of the soul. Because this is the fundamental movement in any case. The methods as we know is to keep on saying this is not me. To all that is lower stuff which includes the physical hunger, thirst, this, that. To all the vital desires, emotions, ambitions. To all minds, ideas, opinions, viewpoints. One has to keep saying this is not me. And slowly one has to quieten them. When we quieten them, then the self which is anyways hidden begins to shine forth. So self-discovery is like that. It is already there. It is there in nature, involved. That's all it is. So when, we, when nature becomes quiet, the self is liberated. So when it is liberated, it begins to observe nature. So this is the first step. And then, as Shubhinda says, one has to make the further ascension towards the supermind. Now this ascension comes through three victories. And that is what is beautiful. The Purusha... So Purusha here is the self. It's called Purusha. And Prakriti is nature. So just as there is a threefold Prakriti in the lower nature, there is the threefold Purusha. So there is the physical Purusha, vital Purusha, mental Purusha, just as you have physical nature, vital nature, mental nature. Or you can use the word three Gunas, which um, Tamas, Rajas and Sattva. But in their origin, all three come from the higher divine nature, which is the nature of the Ishwara. So we have to recover that. Sattva must change into self-existence knowledge, self-existent knowledge and truth consciousness. Rajas must change into a self-fulfilling, luminous force of the Supreme. And Tamas must change into a self-existent peace. All these three are there in the divine supernature. So they also must change. The Purusha, who is a real being, is always independent and master of Prakriti. And at this independence, we are rightly seeking to arrive. 
that is the utility of the egoistic movement and its self transcendence so at first one has to go through that ego where one wants to master outer prakriti or inner nature and prakriti allows see but she plays a game it's a cat and mouse game and very interesting if you look at it like that she seems to be blocking you frustrating you but actually she is helping us to grow when we understand it then there is nothing to complain she is making us run pant after some time say enough then she no 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 come 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 when she sees that you have stopped then she also stops for a while she says come i show you a new game so that way she keeps on making us run and pant till finally she says okay i am shedding this attire i'll reveal myself in because you have discovered that level game so she will come herself in a new form of nature so but its right fulfillment is is not in making absolute the ego's principle of independent existence so the reason the purusha the self uh, in the egoistic sense feels i am the one and you know things are for me and it's always a vague sense if you ask somebody that who are you even when you know you are not this body you are not the desires you are not this mind ask who are you now you know that i remains always something nebulous so at first that individuality must be strengthened but after that is this ego independent of everything else shubhendu says no that's not where it can find fulfillment but in arriving at this other highest poise of the purusha with regard to its prakriti there there is transcendence of nature but also possession of nature perfect fulfillment of our individuality but also perfect fulfillment of our relations with the world and with others that's what cbc hinted in the story of shri krishna that all the gol bal from shri krishna's point of view are nanas but krishna even kans is nanas but krishna all those who are on the opposite side of the mahabharata war are also krishna so that is the realization in which one enters this is not a just a witness kind of realization here now shri krishna by his daivi prakriti that's what is called as you know his para prakriti he he inspires each one according to their own law of nature ultimately he holds their buddhi and one can go to an extreme extent that well though he went as a shanti dot he knew very well that duryodhana's prakriti will act like this and it was necessary in dyut krida shakuni who you know um made the pandavas lose even this too was part of the play because then only pandavas will become ready for the kingdom when the time comes so that's what today we were watching that very interesting video it doesn't say of this but it's very interesting where uh, there is a little child girl very sweetly she is narrating the ramayana story she says you people don't know kekai was not bad rama had a pact with kekai he said mata i want you to give me a gift she said anything for you and he says are you sure because if you give me that gift you will be completely maligned by everyone and then finally she agrees and you know he says that you have to make sure that i go to the forest and then she asks and then she repents you know there is a similar story in bible about judas iscariot's role who pointed out to christ that he was somewhere aware that he had to do this and it was a burden that he was uh, bearing upon himself because thus alone christ could become the redeemer now Uh, these stories are not meant that we should become kk and judas and all this but it is a vision which the supermind automatically sees so these stories are a far off hint at the intuitive mind somebody suddenly has a flash and begins to understand that that's how things are it is not that people who wrote these stories were living in the supermind but they saw a possibility which normally ordinarily we do not see because ordinarily we see things in terms of good and bad but in the supermind they are unified 
So when they are unified and change into the Supreme Good. So there, there is transcendence of nature and also position of nature. Therefore, Sri Krishna uses all kinds of means for the fulfillment of things. But if we were to do it in ignorance, then we would be just fooling ourselves. But also perfect fulfillment of our relations with the world and with others. Therefore, an individual's salvation in heavens beyond, careless of the earth, is not our highest objective. So there is a kind of, when we are free from nature, we can dwell in one of those higher worlds, heavens, which we see in Dante's uh, great epic, that there are people who are meditating. Even there, is, there are visions like that of yogis, that they are meditating. Why? Because they want the final liberation. So they have arrived at that status and they are meditating. He says, no, that's not our fulfillment. But also perfect fulfillment of our relations with the world and with others. So this must go together. Therefore, an individual salvation in heavens beyond careless of the earth is not our highest objective. The liberation and self-fulfillment of others is as much our own concern. We might almost say our divine self-interest as our own liberation. Now, Shubindu says, even though this impulse may be in ignorance, that you want to help others grow. He says, yes, we may ignorantly say that and yet there is behind it a profound truth which we discover as we pass on into the beyond. Otherwise, our unity with others would have no effective meaning. To conquer the lures of egoistic existence in this world is our first victory over ourselves. So first victory is extricate the self from nature and all the lures. So Prakriti is dancing like the dances we see outside, no? And the Purusha is very happy filming and this, that. He doesn't know. Actually, he is dancing. <laughs> it's not she who is dancing. He is dancing. His eyes are dancing. His sight is dancing. His heart is dancing. Only his physical steps, they will also dance after some time. So this is the first step. So you have to extricate from that lure different kinds of egoistic lures. The dance of Prakriti which may want to give us name, fame, ambition, money, lust and all kinds of things and their opposites which it shows. He says that is the first victory. To conquer the lure of individual happiness in heavens beyond is our second victory. That means not in some Vaikuntha Lok or Sri Krishna's Lok or you know Brahma Lok, all that is fine. But we must conquer that lure also. Okay? <laughs> this is the second victory. To conquer the highest lure of escape from life and a self-absorbed bliss in the impersonal infinity is the last and greatest victory. So these are the three lures one has to overcome. Those who seek... Uh, Liberation of that kind where you escape. I remember Chutnaranji once recounting me one of his. It was a dream vision, obviously, toward the later part of his life. I think six months before his leaving, he said, "Alokji, I saw something. Kya matlab hai? This was his way of saying, huh? It's not that he didn't understand the meaning. He said, "I was going on a road, and I saw on one side there was a big something." field and it was written liberation then I went further on the other side now there was written transformation and I was asked which one you choose so soche <laughs> this was his way I don't think it is. then I thought transformation and then this was taken away and he went on the path of transformation I said Chudnarayanji I I <laughs> the choice palace this choice must be right in the beginning within six months he left his body very clear he had arrived at liberation which of course uh, was very evident but now it was that do you want this further transformation you know like Pavitrada when he came he was asked he had tried for liberation all kinds of different yogas then he came and asked Shurabindo so he said, what do you want? He said, liberation. Later on also you say, when mother asked him, what do you mean by yoga? See, your original impulsion continues. So he said, 
going home, going back home. That was his way of, you know, constantly. So Shubhinda says, okay, there are some yogis in India who can give you liberation. But if you want something more, you can stay. Sure enough, he stayed. Now his liberation took the form of liberation of nature. With nature, he put himself in the Divine Mother. So this is where he says that this lure of individual annihilating to escape. So we must be very careful. People often ask, there are so many gurus, master. My take is very simple. I ask only one thing. Sir, what is your product? You go to buy it. Forget about design. You know, there are people who will go to a car and they'll say, this design is that and this design. So, well, I don't need a car. I, I need something else. I need a scooter or whatever it is. Or I need an airplane. So, all other things come later. So, I ask only one question. That, you know, what is your product that you are going to give? Liberation, good life upon earth, good life in the heavens beyond, that's not what I am seeking. Somebody had once come to me and this, this example because people often ask this question. Gurus, this guru, that guru. And they knew that I have some spiritual interest. They didn't know that, you know, I am already on a path of yoga. Sir, why don't you come to our Guruji and, you know, I said, what for? He said, no, no, there is light and sound and all kinds of inner experiences of inner being. So I said, okay, that's, that's fine. So he said, no, no, it will be very nice. I said, but what? So he, he said, you know, he gives liberation. I said, but I don't want liberation. So that was shocking to him. He said, what does it mean? I said, I want God's meaning in this world fulfilled. He said, sir, ye bhagwani bata sakta. only God can do that. I said, exactly. So he said, I have understood its meaning. Sir, nobody else except God can answer this question. Why this world is? I said, yeah, so here is this life divine, here is this Savitri. Both the books were on my table. I said, this is God's answer, this is God's book. If you are interested, you can take and read. So this is where the lure, but there are people who want, they are attracted, it is their choice, nothing wrong with that. But in this yoga, one has to conquer these three lures. First is the lure of a rich egoistic life. And this lure is very difficult, either for the sattvic man and certainly for the vital man, who is, you know, expanding his ambition. That's why it's far more difficult for a scholarly man of scholarly wisdom or a man of big repute or a big man to turn to yoga. And Shubhinda says that, you know, well-known or unknown has no meaning from the point of view of yoga. Because then you have to suddenly lose all that. Even there are people who develop spiritually, go, I am someone or something. Swamiji, now for a Swamiji to suddenly become a child of the mother and learn everything anew, is very rare and that's what is the greatness of Babaji Maharaj. You know, he was already a guru and yet he, and there are some people like that. So this is where, this lure of an otherworldly salvation or to stay in your own higher world, one has to overcome that. So three victories he speaks about. Once again, I'll quickly read. To conquer the lures of egoistic existence in this world is our first victory over ourselves. To conquer the lure of individual happiness in heavens beyond is our second victory. So all these religions which take you to heaven, our father, Dawat, who are in heaven, I tell them, well, I am not interested in heaven there. My interest is heaven here. So other heaven, whether by blowing yourself up or God knows by doing all kinds of mischief or by changing your name. To conquer... The highest lure of escape from life and a self-absorbed bliss in the impersonal infinity is the last and greatest victory. So the first is the life of the ordinary person. The second is the religious, those religions which promise you a booked seat confirmed in heaven. And the third is the moksha which is promised in traditional yoga. All these three lures one has to overcome. Then are we rid of all individual exclusiveness and possessed of our entire spiritual freedom. This freedom nobody can take away. Even if you are down in the hell, still this freedom cannot be taken away. Because it's not dependent on the cosmos. It's not dependent on creation. It's not dependent on even the appearance of bond. It's a very large freedom. 
the state of the liberated soul is that of the purusha who is forever free. Mark the word forever. By taking birth, he doesn't become bound. Its consciousness is a transcendence and an all-comprehending unity. It transcends and yet it holds all beings together. Its self-knowledge does not get rid of all the terms of self-knowledge, but unifies and harmonizes all things in God and in the divine nature. So it's not the type, terms of knowledge is the ego, then personality, bodily self. He doesn't say, oh, I am not all this, so I am undressing myself. And No, he knows what they are. He has discovered himself, but now he uses it as an instrument for the sake of instrument. He doesn't identify with the body, but the body is still the instrument. He must make it perfect. He doesn't identify with the vital self, but the vital nature is still an instrument. The emotions, the passions, they are all instruments. The intense religious ecstasy which knows only God and ourselves and shuts out all else is only to it an intimate experience which prepares it for sharing in the embrace of the divine love and delight around all creatures. Not that type who says, well, I have found my heaven, whether in a temple or in an ashram or somewhere and says, I am very happy. No, I don't care what is happening to anyone else in the world. So he says, A heavenly bliss which unites God and ourselves and the blessed, but enables us to look with a remote indifference to the unblessed and their sufferings is not possible to the perfect soul. Who are the blessed? The special ones. Elite. I want to say further. Who are the others? Chottilog. Poor ignorant creatures. Nice, good people, but ignorant fellows. This division, the perfect soul will not create. For these also are itself. Free individually from suffering and ignorance, it must naturally turn to draw them also towards its freedom. On the other hand, any absorption in the relations between self and others and the world to the exclusion of God and the beyond is still more impossible. So neither will such a person shut himself in his own ecstatic contemplation, oblivious of the world, nor will he be absorbed in the world, oblivious of the divine. So in everything he will bring in that divine element. And therefore it cannot be limited by the earth or even by the highest and most altruistic relations of man with man. Its activity or its culmination is not to efface and utterly deny itself for the sake of others, but to fulfill itself in God possession, freedom and divine bliss, that in and by its fulfillment others too may be fulfilled. For it is in God alone, by the position of the divine only, that all the discords of life can be resolved. Thank God. <laughs> all other efforts to resolve them generally end up with egoistic way of escape. Only in God. But this beauty is when you discover that, you also want to extend that harmony in everything around you, difficult. This is called the road less travelled. No, least travelled. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Shivinda says, but see what he says now, master stroke. For it is in God alone, by the possession of the divine only, that all the discords of life can be resolved. And therefore, the raising of men towards the divine is in the end, the one effective way of helping mankind. So the ultimate help that we can do is not altruism, not jute uh, ki seva. I mean, this is good. Not free medicines. All that is good. He's not discarding them. They are required for the egoistic life of man. But in helping raise the bar, either by personal example or by influence or by word or by whatever means the divine chooses to raise everybody. That's why the mother speaks about, there is a whole description about collective yoga. She says, because the individual and the collective, there is an interdependence. The individual cannot go beyond a point if the collective doesn't also. It's the same thing, self and nature. 
नेचर ऑल्सो मस्ट अपग्रेड इट सेल्फ एंड यू हैव टू वेट इट्स लाइक कंप्यूटर इज रीबूटिंग न्यू विंडोज यू कांट जस्ट सड एट दैट पॉइंट यू हैव टू वेट यू हैव नो चॉइस बट मीन वाइल वट यू डू सो यू एनगेज इन नॉट जस्ट योर अपलिफ्टमेंट बट ऑफ एवरीबडी एंड दैट एलोन इज द बेस्ट वे ऑफ हेल्पिंग all the other activities and realizations of our self experience have their use and power chubindu is not denying anything but in the end these crowded side tracks on these lonely paths must circle round to converge into the wideness of the integral way by which the liberated soul transcends all embraces all and becomes the promise and the power of the fulfillment of all in their manifested being of the divine this is savitri when death tells savitri know also for knowing thou would cease to love and savitri replies when i have loved all then i shall know for i know that knowledge is a vast embrace so knowledge which excludes the world is not the highest knowledge it is a step important at one point but the highest aspect is a knowledge which not only transcends but embraces the world in a many sided unity of the one divine namaste